launching out of this series called Boy Meets Girl. So uh, it's a relationship series, and I know it looks odd for me to be leading a relationship series, given that I am a man, and that's the first disclaimer of tonight, that uh, we're going to sort of drive into this together. And I'm looking across the room. we got all kinds of people here tonight, which is fantastic. We've got uh, married people here tonight. Anybody? A few of you? Yes, okay, nice. We've got uh, some uh, older singles here, which is fantastic. You don't have to raise your hands, although thank you. See that? I don't, know, I don't even know how to categorize what that means. We've got some younger people here, which is great. Some middle schoolers. We've got some elementary school age people. We've got some high school age people. They're not even thinking about boys or girls yet. And uh, so this is kind of like far off in the distance for them. We've got some college students in the house, and they don't date, so that's kind of weird. That's kind of a weird whole thing, dating in college. That doesn't go together at all. And then we've got some folks in the workplace. We've got all kinds of people here. I believe the series is going to speak to everybody over the course of these few weeks. And we're going to dive in tonight, and then we're going to journey all the way up through and past Easter into the springtime, talking about what it means to have a successful relationship. But I can't think of any better place to start tonight than in the beginning. Now, I mentioned that there are a couple of disclaimers I'd like to make, two particularly. The number one disclaimer I'd like to make is that I am a man, okay? So can I just say that? I'm a dude, and uh, no dude has any business leading a series on relationships, okay? Especially a multi-week series. We can't even carry on a conversation with a girl for more than 15 seconds, so what do I have to say about relationships? It's going to take us all the way to the spring, right? But I can't do anything about that. I am a guy, so I'm going to have to trust that God is going to come through. And that's the beautiful part about what's going to happen over these next few days. If it's just up to me, you know, I don't think we'd get that far. Second disclaimer is I'm married. And um, no cheering for being married. That's weird either. So that's wild. You know, there's there's no cheer. I'm a married person. I was hoping all the married people would just nudge their wife or their spouse or just shake their hand, squeeze their hand and say, me too, honey. Isn't that awesome? And say, it's like, I'm married. And people are like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Yeah, awesome. I know you don't feel that way, but, you know, being married has its upside and it has its downside, and I I hope the upside comes through, and I hope that you'll give me grace on the downside, because you could look at me and say, hey, you've been married all these years now, you're completely out of the scene, you don't know what's fresh, you don't know what's going on, you don't know what it's like to be in our shoes, you don't know what we deal with, you don't know what it's been like to grow up in the last 18, 19, 22 years of America like we have and try to navigate this thing, and honestly, I don't. And so that's why tonight is not about my opinion. That's why this series is not Boy Meets Girl According to Louie. None of us need my opinion, and honestly, we don't need your opinion either. We we don't need some expert's opinion. We don't need to to fly in some people over the next few weeks that are relationship experts. You know, you go to the Barnes & Noble, and you go down the relationship aisle, there are a lot of books on the relationship aisle at Barnes & Noble. I know you've never looked at any of them, or maybe you're one of those people that grabbed one out of the relationship aisle, and then you went over to the history aisle, and then you were kind of looking through the book in the history aisle, because that kind of worked out a little bit better, and you didn't want anybody to see you over there, you know, in the relationship aisle trying to get some help. But we're not flying in any experts. We're not getting the latest culture commentator to help us understand. And I'll tell you why. Because we have the originator of relationships on the scene tonight. We have the blueprint of all blueprints from the guy who thought all of this up at our disposal. And we're going to let him, that's the creator, speak into what a relationships look like. 
So at the end of the day, it's not you thinking, well, Louis said whatever, or so-and-so said whatever, or this person I was reading about said whatever, or these people's opinion was whatever. But we can all come back to the beginning tonight and get our hearts around what was intended from the beginning. And I'm making a huge assumption tonight. And all of us always do. All of us start into every conversation with presuppositions. That means we suppose something before we ever start. And I suppose something tonight, and I'd like to put that out on the table. And what I'd like to put out on the table is this, that relationships succeed when an awareness of God and a connectivity to God are foremost in our thinking. Relationships succeed when an awareness of God and a connectivity to God are foremost in our thinking. In other words, we're, we're backing up tonight to understand that God is the originator of life. He is the one who has come up with the idea of a boy. He's the one who came up with the idea of a girl. He's the one who came up with the idea of a relationship. This all started with him. And so to the degree that we are rooted in, that our heart and our life and our being are rooted in God. To that degree, we have the potential to have amazingly successful relationships. It's not just all about being rooted in God. There are practical things. The series does go beyond tonight, but I can just tell you tonight, if you're here over these next few weeks, either looking for a boyfriend or looking for a girlfriend or looking for the, the formula or looking for some little tidbit about how to make something work better and you miss the fact that God is at the heart of it all, You'll miss it all. Because at the very bottom of this is a huge assumption. And that assumption is that, that it is our awareness of God, each individually, and our connectivity to God that is the basis for which we can dream about having successful relationships. And I want to put a few words on the table tonight and dig into a few passages of Scripture. If you have Scripture tonight, we're going to begin on uh, page one. Isn't that awesome? And uh, that kind of makes it a little bit easier for everybody that's not real sure about the books of the Bible. Just go to page one. If you got large print, uh, you might be on page two. But we're looking at uh, Genesis chapter one, and we're going to begin reading together in verse 24. The first word I want to put out there for us tonight is created. Can you say that with me with a little horsepower? Created. It's the first word. And I know that seems like an obvious word, but we're going to back up tonight to understand that in the very beginning of this story, God created. That's not a revolutionary thought. In fact, nothing tonight coming out is all that revolutionary, but it is really refreshing, I think, to all of us who are in this maze called, how do you navigate toward a successful relationship. And I know for some of you, say it again, maybe this is five years off or 12 years off or this is somewhere a little bit in the distance. Man, dig in tonight and let God put the foundation in your heart about what he's dreaming about for you. For some of you, it's five years in the rearview mirror and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what happened, but I think I missed the on-ramp back there somewhere. Let God put in your heart and in your mind tonight a dream about what God has for you. Maybe you're on your second marriage or third marriage or a relationship crashed and burned or there's been all this angst or upheaval. Let God put in your heart and in your mind tonight a dream of what he is imagining for you. Look together with me in Genesis. Let's begin in verse 24. God has already been creating. We're jumping right into the middle of a creation story. And look what it says. And God said... 
Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. Now, that's an interesting little throwaway phrase right there, but I don't want you to miss it tonight, that when God said it, it was so. I want you to come back to that in your hopes and dreams about relationships tonight. When God says it, it can be so. Don't let any voice tonight stymie you at the earliest point that when God speaks over your life, it can be so. As God speaks to you and speaks over me. Verse 25, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then verse 26, then God said, what a statement. Let us Look, talking Trinitarian there, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God had an idea, and his idea of this beautiful creation was, let's make a man But we're going to make the man different than we made every other thing. Let's make the man in our own image, in our own likeness, and let's set them, not just him, in motion to rule over everything that we have made. So verse 27. So that's exactly what God did. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. You're like, didn't God just say the same thing twice right there? And to get frustrated when people do that, you know, you just said that, you know, and I know, and I said it again. I know, you just said that. I know, why did you say that again? God said something twice, not by accident, but he wanted us to hear it. He said, and God created man in his image, in his image, he created them. And he's doubling the impact by repeating the reality of what he's saying. And then this last line, male and female. He created them. Now, you know, if you walk around in Atlanta, Georgia, or a lot of places, and you say, do you believe God created the world? Most people will say yes. Now, they're maybe not defining God the same way as you and me, but they say, "Uh uh-huh. If you ask most people, do you believe God was involved in in creating mankind? They say, "Uh uh-huh. And maybe their path is a little bit different than your path or my path. But, yeah, some God made us. So God anthropology is not a radical thought in culture, but true God creation is the most revolutionary thought that can ever come to a human being. If we believe that we are created, we've got the first step toward a successful relationship, and I'll tell you why. A couple things I want you to see before we move off created. Number one, you have intrinsic value tonight simply because you were created in the image of God and you were made in the likeness of God. It's on the first page of the story. It's on the first page of the book. All you do is you go past contents, books of the Bible, preface, a few remarks, the Old Testament, open to page one, and on page one of the story, it says, you were made in the image and the likeness of God. Wow. This is the craziest thought on earth. I mean, we just got to pray, God, let that sink in tonight. Because everything in our life has risen up against the power of that simple preliminary reality. You have intrinsic value. What does intrinsic value mean? It means it is not 
relative to any external event, happening, occurrence, achievement of your life. You are not valuable because of how many friends you have on Facebook. You're not valuable because of how many followers you have on Twitter. Some of you are not on Twitter, and that's going to be a problem when you get to the membership application for Patchen City Church. So just a head start. When we get one, that'll be the first question. Did you download this because you saw the link on Twitter? And so um, that if you, it's not the basis. It's not based on how your hair looks. Whether you did a curling iron or a flat iron or you're doing a short crew cut or you have really cool surfer hair or you can swing your hair around and it goes places when you do that or, or you've got the right color and highlights and low lights and medium lights and different kind of chunky things and, and other streaky things and spiky things. And that, that's not about your value. Now, granted, we've spent more time on our hair collectively in the last seven days than any other thing we've done. I love it. People are like, I don't know what world you live in, but not me. <laughs> Your value is not wrapped up in what you wear. It's not wrapped up in uh, your build, your physique, your shape, your cut. Um, for you ladies that are working out, it's not wrapped up in uh, how much you weigh or don't weigh, how tall you are, your eye color. It's not wrapped up in the, the people you run with. It's not wrapped up in where you go to school or where you work or your neighborhood or the accomplishments you've been able to stack up or something that you're, you're proud of that you've been able to do with your life. It's not based on your finances or anything anybody's ever said about you. You have intrinsic value simply because you were created by God Almighty. And when he made you, he said, I'm going to make you in my own image. In the likeness of God, he created them, male and female. And that's a powerful, simple truth. And you're like, I get that already. But if we, if we, we lose sight of that simple truth, here's what happens in relationships. We lose sight of that simple reality. We take four steps off center, and then we're in a relationship with a guy. We're in a relationship with a girl, and what are we asking them to do? We're asking uh, them to give us some value. And you're just staring at your phone and you're saying, dude, call me back. <laughs> Text me back for the love of God. <laughs> Ask me out. Show up at the house. Get some flowers. Tell me that you love me. And what are we doing? We're doing a human thing on one level, but if we're not careful, we're doing a really devastating thing on another level. We're saying in different language, tell me that I'm worth something. Tell me that I'm a somebody. And man, I'm telling you, the, the guys can flake out, and guys, you know for sure the women can flake out like crazy. And if everybody's flaking out, that's leaving a whole lot of value, unstable people rolling around on the planet Earth because he didn't give me the value he didn't say what I needed him to say. He didn't come through the way I needed him to come through. She shot me down. She shot me the ghost. She left me out in the cold. And now I'm left here struggling with my identity versus, hey, thank you very much for rejecting me. That did not feel great, but I'm getting used to it. But hey, I got to tell you this much right now. I have some serious value apart from you and apart from any relationship. Because I've been made in the image of God. I have unsurpassed value 
right now. I just want to tell you tonight, ladies, and I'll come to you guys a little bit later. You guys are already not loving this. I know you, I can feel it already. You're like, dude, I knew I shouldn't have come to this. Um, she made me come. And um, I'm not feeling where it's going. Guys, hang in there with me tonight. I'm a guy. It's going to be tough on all of us tonight. And we'll just have to trust the grace of God to get us through. And he will. It will be awesome. And it will be worth it for all of us. But ladies, I want to tell you this right now tonight because of the way things work and the way you're wired. You have off the charts value tonight apart from what Jojo says about you. You do. Off the charts value. You're like, who's Jojo? He's just this imaginary guy that we always bring into everything we do here. It's awesome. Some people came up after the morning and showed me a picture of their like King Charles Spaniel, Cocker Spaniel, whatever you call it, King Charles Spaniel, does that sound right? And uh, they named him Jojo uh, after the talks that we do here. So I thought, well, that's kind of cool. So now I'm seeing King Charles Spaniel when I just said that, and that doesn't really work as well. But you know, the goal is that you'll sit across the table, right, and uh, everybody feeling this, and it's going to be kind of cool, vibey deal, you know, not Arby's, but something up, upscale from that, and you're going to be sitting across the table, and somebody's going to look back at you, and they're going to go, man, you are the greatest thing on the planet. My heart has been out of rhythm since the day I met you. I'm certain that I can't live without you. You're the best thing there is, and you're going to go, ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> and inside, you're going to be like, You know, awesome. Can I get some more tea, please? Thank you. <laughs> what were you saying again? And, and I, I, I prayed for that moment. And you do too. But, but here's the thing. When that moment comes, that's going to be 100 miles below what God is already speaking to you across the table right now. And he's looking right at you and saying, you blow my mind how amazing you are. Let that sink in. And you are one step closer to a more successful relationships on every level on this planet. The second thing this does, and we've got to jump through these pretty fast, is not only does it give you intrinsic value, but it gives the person that you're thinking about intrinsic value, and that's important. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but sometimes this dating scene can turn into like a meat market, you know, it can get kind of crazy. That's kind of a crude way of saying it, but it can kind of get to this like, okay, I'm just going to look around to see who's out there. Now, I know no one at Passion City Church does that. I know you wake up and you're just praying, Lord, I want to meet somebody of upstanding character, somebody who has a good sense of humor, somebody who has good hygiene, and somebody who's spiritual, mature. And that's really all I care about, Lord. So you're walking into Starbucks and you're just looking for people of character. You know, you're just thinking about that. That's all that really matters to you. I know you wouldn't be like people that go to those other churches, and they're kind of rolling through life, and they're just got the hot meter out, you know, like all the time. Some of the married people now, we're losing them momentarily. We'll come back to you. But, um, you know, you're walking out, and you just kind of looking. Some of you walked in here tonight with the hot meter going, whoo, look out, hello. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You know, this is awesome. You strategically moved your seating arrangement. You're hoping at the end of this that the Lord so moves it will join hands across the aisle, and you're going to be ready. You're going to be like, oh, wow, who knew? I don't know. That's awesome. Thank you, God. This is amazing, you know? And you're, you're thinking like that. It kind of works like this. There's kind of like a graph, and it's like a, an algorithm that we don't even consciously process, but it's like hot, whoo, 
but I don't have a shot, okay? I don't have a shot, okay? I don't have a shot. Keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And then there's not hot, but, but I have a shot, you know? I have definitely got a shot, you know? <laughs> and then there's kind of like that happy zone in the middle we're looking for, right? Kind of hot, and I have a shot, you know? This is what I'm looking for. I respect the guys that are always going over here, you know, like, ha oh, look, at, I'm going to go for this one, or the girls that are going for this one, and you're like, dude, you got no chance whatsoever, but they don't care. They just go for it. Every now and then it works out. Worked out for me. I mean, it's amazing, you know? You just got to gotta love it when it does, you know? It's like, woo, yes. And, you know, you, you, you see the folks that are always over here, you know, and their whole thing is, you know, I got a shot, I got a shot, I got a shot, and you want to go, come on, man, you got to go for it. You got to take a risk sooner or later. But you're kind of looking for that middle, oh, yeah, this is going to work out hot, and I have a shot. I'm going to pray about it now for a year and see what happens. No, but, you know, if you, if you take that down to the lowest common denominator, you kind of take the, the Jesus out of the equation, and you got people just cruising, right? And they're scamming everywhere. And what are they asking? They're just asking one question. What can I get out of this? What, what, are, you, what are you going to give me? When you drop that down to the baseline, people out late in the night in the bar scene around Atlanta, Georgia, what are they thinking? They're thinking one thing. And what they're missing is the reality that the person they're looking at was made in the image and likeness of God. This is a person of incredible, intrinsic worth and value who means so much to God Almighty. And all of a sudden, I'm looking through a new lens. You know, we've got to do that tonight. We've got to look at this whole thing through the God lens. You cannot look through this through the culture lens. The culture lens is not clear. You can't look at through the, your last relationship lens because if that was a bad one, then you're looking at every guy like, <sighs> you know, you're just ready to jump out there and scratch their eyes out, you know? Or maybe you're a guy and you're looking at through that last girl and you're like, yeah, forget you and you and all the rest of you. I don't need the grief, right? And so you can't look through that lens. You got to keep looking through God's lens. And when we look through God's lens, we're seeing creation everywhere. And we're seeing God's beauty and value in every one. And when you walk up to somebody and see them, you're thinking God made you in his likeness and in his image, and you are a person of great worth. I'm telling you, that changes everything. I mean, that might be a good pickup line. I don't know. I'm not here to give away pickup lines. It's not about my opinion, but maybe that'll work. You know, God said he made you in his image, and boy, was he ever right. Hi, I'm JoJo. You know? But how will that change your approach, your respect, the way you honor, the way you turn the scam meter off, and you turn the thank you Jesus meter on, and you walk into conversations going, I have value. I'm not here looking to suck the value life out of you. And you have value totally apart from me. And when I'm walking through the door like that, this other person's walking through the door like that, there is the potential and the possibility that something really good could happen in that moment. The third observation that's in this, and you know, just put, uh, just put it into context because I want you to see it. It says, he created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And then the end of verse 27 says, male and female, he created them. 
We're going back to the beginning tonight. We're going back to the source tonight. We're going back to the originator of life tonight. And the originator of life who concocted the whole idea of relationship said, I want to make two distinctly beautiful human beings. I want to make a male and I want to make a female. And the reason they're guys is because God wanted guys. And the reason they're girls is because God wanted girls. And beautifully, uniquely, distinctly made in the image and likeness of God. So let's don't get all caught up in this, you know, well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't it matter to God that in the very beginning that he chose to make a man like this and a woman like this. And the man wasn't like the woman and the woman wasn't like the man because God didn't want it that way. God wanted to make them male and female. That was the original creation plan of God on the very first page of the story. The second word I want to give you tonight is the word arranged. Can you say that one with me as well? It doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as created. Um, can you say that with me? Arranged. You're like, whoa, whoa, don't like saying that in a relationship series. Thank you very much. We're not really looking for that. But we can work that out for you if you need assistance. Just see us under the screens tonight. We can fix something up, and uh, we'll make it work out. No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is God is a God of order, and God has set things in motion in a certain direction, and we have to understand that if we want to have successful relationships. Turn over to the very next chapter. Boy, we're cruising now, gone through chapter 1. Now we're in chapter 2, and let's begin reading in verse Verse 18. Now remember again, just let me fill in the blanks for you. God created the earth. He created everything on the earth. He created living creatures. He created a garden. The garden were four rivers. And then he created the man. And he put the man in the garden. So God was working in sequence. God started creating on day one, but he made the man on day six. So he had already organized the world before he put the man in it. So God was working with an arrangement. God wasn't just kind of haphazardly, you know, throwing creation stuff out and seeing what stuck. He was working in a plan. And so now that there is a garden and there's a man in a garden, here comes God in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Now guys, we love that part right there, and this is the part where it feels good to be a man. God made us, and he put us in the garden, and he said, I'm going to bring every living thing before you, I'm going to let you name it. So imagine that job right there. This was a long process, because there's a lot of animals. You know, they had to get a magnifying glass to see some of them, and other ones are bringing up, and he's like, I don't know, let's just go with... Giraffe. All right. That sounds good. Giraffe. Okay. It's a giraffe and there's an angel over there right now. Okay. The big tall things with the spots. Okay. The little thing not sticking up by their heads. Giraffe. How do you spell it? Giraffe. All right. Cool. Great. Next one. You know, and the man is doing all this. So ladies, if you don't like the names of the animals, we're sorry, but we got to do that. That was a God-given thing. You know, if the women had named them, they'd all been like Lamsey Pie and, you know, Bubbly Poo and Truffles and, you know, Sweet Baby This. And so the man's in there like Squirrel. <laughs> rhinoceros write that down all right rhinoceros i don't know, even know how to spell it so so the man is naming all the animals 
So verse 20, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now this verse troubles me. I have to give you, I have to be totally transparent. That troubles me right there. I would like to skip over it, but I can't. I don't know what that means exactly, that all the animals were coming by, and as he was naming them, God was kind of like, maybe he'll like one of them. I, I don't know. It was kind of weird. It was like very odd that of all the animals, no suitable helper was found. So verse 21. Let's get out of that quick and get on into verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, that'd be a good movie, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. (laughs) Come on. The man said, (laughs) the the woman would have said if this was reversed, oh, honey, oh, I'm so nice to meet you. Oh, this is perfect, Lord. Thank you very much. The man, on the other hand, said, this is now bone of my bones. Thank you for showing your kind and tender side right off the bat. (laughs) And flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then all of a sudden, the wedding bells chime, and the music kind of changes. And it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Second chapter of Scripture. And they will become one flesh. And then kids, cover your ears. Verse 25. The man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. Wow. So can I just speak into this just briefly? You're created. And you have intrinsic value tonight. And secondly... Can we just all breathe deeply tonight to understand that we're not the ones who are coming up with the relationship matrix. God has done this already. He's arranged everything already. And the way he has arranged it is to organize. He organized creation and then put the man in it. And then the man organized the garden and the animals and then he put the woman in it. And if you want a footnote tonight, I think it works this way. That when a man brings order to his life, then he is ready then to invite a woman to come and join him in the process that he has already set in motion in his life. It's not haphazard. Hey, baby, you want to come with me? You know, come on. You want to go for a joy ride? Come on. Let's get married and figure it all out. No, the man is supposed to organize life, to arrange life so that then he can invite the woman into what he has arranged with the help of God. And so, man, I think it works that way, that uh, we sort of prepare the way, because when everything was ready, when everything was ready, six days of creation, garden done, four rivers, man, name the animals, no suitable helper, at the very end and the very last, God saved the best for last. And at the very last, when everything was ready, God put a woman in the story for the man. Don't miss that. Don't miss the power of the arrangement of God. A couple of observations. No suitable helper was found. 
Number one, uh, man needs assistance. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Man needs assistance. And guys, we got to embrace that tonight. You're like, I know that. No, we've got to really champion that. We got to shout it from the rooftops. We got to say, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need assistance. God knew it, and I know it. I need assistance. I need help. Man was created first, amen, for the men, but he was not finished. And things were not final until the woman was in the story. That was beautiful. And I don't want you to let anything drown that out tonight, that you need a woman. You're like, hey, the, the odds are stacked against me, Louie. Don't let anything drown out the truth, that it is not good for you to be alone. Don't go make a life for you, yourself. Don't go start getting busy. Don't go start getting your own place. Don't start decorating your own house. Don't start building up your own little bank account. Don't get all your little bevy of friends. Don't get all your little girlfriends and your texts so you can call somebody to hang out. Don't get everything all set the way you want it. Don't get your 360, you know, going in the house, your little connectivity deal. Don't get all your little ESPN channels going and your I can watch every NFL game. And don't get your big chair and your Cheetos and all the other stuff around and get it all just perfect because it is not good for you to be alone. Don't let that drown out the truth tonight. Let God light a fire in the hearts of men tonight to say the word of God and the truth of the arranging power of God is men don't do good alone. We need a suitable helper not somebody in a little thing over here going, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Can I get you more Cheetos? Thank you very much. Can I get you? No, not that. That's, what not God, that's not what God's talking about in this passage. He's talking about a partner who can rule the earth. Right now, at this point in time, he's talking about a partner who can join the man in ruling creation. And he says, you need help. We got to embrace that. We got to understand that. We came first, guys, so we get the prize on that. We were created first. Yes, we were. We arrived first. Yes, we did. But it was not final and it was not fine until the woman came. So, to every man in this room, if you're 12 years old, if you're 16 years old, if you're 22 years old, or 28 years old, or 35 years old, or 40, or 50, or 72, we need a woman. To make us everything that God has dreamed for us to be. The second thing I want you to see really quickly is, and I'll just touch on it, man was out of it when the woman was created. I've said this before, so I won't dwell on it, but man was in a coma when the woman was created. He was in a fog when relationships began. Guys, that's always our perpetual excuse. Use it freely as you will. When they say, you don't get it, you don't understand me, I don't understand you. I was in a deep sleep when you came on the scene, and that wasn't any of my doing. I was minding my own business. God put me in a deep sleep, and then I woke up, and you were there. <laughs> Number three is he called her woman, which means whoa, man. <laughs> it means that she stops him dead in his tracks. Guys, come on, we got to admit it. Ladies, I'm telling you, we were fine without you. We were okay without you. We have never gotten anywhere because we've never stopped to ask directions, but we'd have been all right. We just kept driving. We just kept driving, go somewhere else. Hey, I don't know where I was going, but I like where I ended up. But, you know, we were okay. No, we were not okay. But, guys, we would have rocked it along and rocked it along and rocked it along. And then all of a sudden, God just drops this woman in, right? And if you know what I'm talking about, I mean, when Shelly dropped into my life, I was so not looking for a girlfriend.
girlfriend. I was not even looking for a girl. I was avoiding women completely in that moment. I was the happiest not connected to a woman guy on the face of planet Earth. And all of a sudden, down out of heaven dropped Shelly Graves into my life. And I mean, it was like, Whoa. Whoa, man. Stop. No better feeling than that. But ladies, you got to understand, you got to have sympathy on us, right? Woke up, and God said, hi, I get to meet her. <laughs> what? Hello, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. <laughs> the fourth observation is this, that God made the woman. I just wanted to say that out loud. That's just a, breathe, a breather for us. To, to, I'm breathing that life into men that God made you, and I'm breathing that life into ladies that men didn't make you. God made you. Ish was his name. And Isha was her name. Man and out of man, but made by God. And so, ladies, I just want you to remember that. There's some things we're going to talk about in just a second here that kind of go haywire, but you were not made by the man. You were made by God. He, he, he understands you, and he fashioned you. But interestingly, number five, the man named the woman. So already there's some arranging going on here. You're like, ooh, I don't like the sound of that. That sounds like 1945. What are you talking about? It's 2012. Don't rile us up, Louie. We'll take over this church right now. <laughs> the ladies have already taken over this church. Look around. They could take over the whole free world if they wanted to. They are running everything, for crying out loud. And they're barely letting us hang on thinking that we're running. That's my observation of the way it's working right now. And so, ladies, I, I understand that. I'm just telling you that man named you. Man said, she shall be called woman. So that when you say I'm a woman, you're saying I'm named my man. You can't get around that. And so what does that mean? It doesn't really mean anything other than that God arranges things, and he's arranging it for us guys to rise up and to lead the way. It doesn't mean God is sexist. Of course God's not sexist. There's not a sexist corpuscle in the DNA of God, he loves women and their beauty and their uniqueness, and he gave his son for them. And he values you no less than any man on this planet. He values every woman on this planet. But the man named the woman. Number six observation, and I just want to get to the end of this uh, range word. Man pursued the woman. I love that it says, for this reason... A man will leave his father and mother. I know you ladies are already on board with this, but guys, come on with me. Just hang in there. It's going to get good. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united. I like the old translation word, and what? Cleave to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That means there is a, here's this guy who is maturing and stabilizing and arranging and preparing to meet someone of God's choosing and God's moment to then invite them into the journey he is on with God. 
I know we're in a new economy. I, I know what world we live in. And, and please know that I can't completely feel what it means to be you. Pew Research Survey says over 58% of 18 to 25-year-olds live with their parents right now. And I understand that. Jobs are scarce. Didn't work out the way I wanted. I went to school for a while, but I decided not to do that. But come on, if you're a guy, here's what you've got to be thinking about right here. I need a woman. And to get a woman, I need to start maturing and detaching and stabilizing emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationally, and in every other way. I need to start stabilizing. And it could be, begin with such a simple thing as, I need to get a job. You know, like, Louis, there aren't any good jobs. Okay, get a not good job. Okay, well, if you get a not good job, you can't make enough money. Okay, get two not good jobs and prove to her, I've got a really bad job that I don't really love. And then after that job, I go to another bad job that I don't really love. And I'm doing all of that because I am leaving my mother and father so that then I can cleave to you and invite you into a prearranged story. It is not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know everything about where we're going, but I am in the process of pursuing you and preparing for you. Now, I told you I wouldn't give you my opinion, so I won't. But on a side note, is it wrong for a girl to ask a guy out? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think so. I don't have a huge problem with that. But I would say this, ladies, if you're continually doing the pursuing, you need to say goodbye to that JoJo. You need to tell him so long and goodbye. If you're continually doing the pursuing, he is not the guy you want in your life. And guys, by the, by the other side, if she's playing you, you know, and, and you're just like coming in there and she's like, ah, and then you're like, oh, and so you're coming around the other way, you're coming again, and you're humbling yourself, and you're just saying, I'm showing you everything I got. I'm putting all my cards on the table. Eh, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. She's just jerking you around like some kind of game. You need to say to her, you know what? I've got great intrinsic value. You're testing it to the very core of me right now, but I do have great intrinsic value with God, and I've got to say goodbye to you. Because, see, I'm stabilizing, and you're unstable. I am maturing, and apparently you are not maturing. I'm working two jobs trying to get out of debt, trying to make a way, trying to get out of the house, trying to get out of my mom's nest. Because, ladies, I'm telling you right now, you don't want to go straight from his mom folding his underwear and putting it back on the bed and then you doing that. You need a gap in between there where he knows the difference between washing the clothes on the coloreds and the whites. Even if it's a little gap, you need a little gap in there. But the guy's role is to pursue. You're like, Louis, why are you hammering us? I'm not hammering us. Are you seeing what's happening here? God is arranging, and in the arranging of God, God is saying, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That means he's saying, guys, guess what? You get to take the lead on this deal. And I promise you, even in 2012, in all of our evolutionary genius, and cultural society and relationships in the 21st century, this room is still filled with women that want a guy to go through a wall of fire for them. That want a guy who will go through the wall for them and say, I'm going to come out of the closet of prayer and on the grounds of stabilizing maturity and I'm going to put all of my cards on the table. And I'm going to pursue you like you are the only person on planet Earth. And when that happens, it's going to be a whole new day. 
in relationships. I know it takes trust, right? And some of you ladies want to step in there and you're rationalizing. Louie, I know I've asked him out a couple of times and I know I have to keep coming back, but he's Lazarus, right? He's been in the tomb for, you know, a couple of days now and I got to speak loud and kind of wake him up, you know? And so I'm standing out there going, come on, Jojo, you got to come too, man. I know you can do this. You can pull through for me. He's not pulling through. You got to say goodbye to him. And you've got to trust God. See, God brought the woman to the man. She didn't do it. He didn't do it. And we just got to say, Lord, I'm just going to birth, birth trust in me again tonight. I'm going to mature. I'm going to stabilize. And ladies, for you, I'm going to mature and I'm going to stabilize. But I'm not pursuing any guy. Because I'm already in this fortress of value right now. And he might can amen my value, but he can't trumpet. And guys, the same for you. She may be the most godly, beautiful, character-driven, funny, talented, smart, hot woman on the planet. She can only amen who God's already made you to be. She can't trumpet. And to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to bail out. I'm going to trust you couple of other quick observations, and we'll close with these other two words. Uh, number, number seven observation, if you're counting these, is that union was important. The cleave word means to glue, stick, mold, meld. That's a big word to God in the second chapter of the story. And then the third observation, and it's right here in verse 25, and I, I don't even know if we can say this again or not, but they were both naked and unashamed. Can we just say that right there? They were naked and they were unashamed. So I was like, thank you very much for getting to that, because that's what I came for. That's what I'm talking about, boy meets girl. I'm trying to figure out how to get naked with a woman. That is the goal I am driving at right now. So amen to that. They were naked and unashamed. As we say down on these parts, they were naked and unashamed. That, that's a beautiful thing. And I want to tell you, that was paradise, man. Paradise is a guy and a girl who are naked and God is there and he didn't have clothes on either. I don't mean that in any way of, of, you know, God knows my heart in that. I don't mean that in any way that's demeaning who God is, but God wasn't there in a suit in the Garden of Eden. Of course he wasn't. He was just being God. The only time God's worn clothes is in the God-man, Jesus Christ. And that was a whole new incarnation of the reality and presence of God. But God was there being God. They were there naked. Everybody was happy, and it was fun. Don't tell me God's a prude and out of date and out of touch with our culture and doesn't get what the scene and the party's all about. What God had in mind was Adam and Eve in the garden, no clothes, naked, undressed, and nobody felt bad. And God said, this is awesome. Put that down in the second chapter. He didn't have to include that. He could have just said, there they were, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But he said, no, put it in there. They were naked. Naked. <laughs> I'm feeling this, waiting for the deacons to come out from either side and usher me out of here. Take me before the council of 50. Strip me of all my title and do. They were naked. But they weren't ashamed. See, the contrast is, because of this third word we're going to touch on, is that there are people in the building right now who are fully clothed, and they're totally covered with shame. And I'll tell you why. It's because you can't go against God's plan. You can't. You can't buck up against 
God's plan. I mean, you can, but it never works out. Our third word tonight is brokenness. Because right into this power of creation, which gives us all this amazing value, and right into this arrangement of God where he says, this is how this works. The very next word, it blows my mind. The very, very next word. It says, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And then if you take out the transitional commentary between and you take out the three on the next chapter, the very next word, the very next word says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? And so all of a sudden, we got paradise. We got a guy who went to his sleep. He woke up. Whoa, man, they're there. They're together. They're joining each other up. They are, they're somehow united in this relationship with God and with each other. And it's beautiful and amazing. It's paradise. And the very next word, the very next thing says, and now. And now. And what was the end now? And the end now was the voice that said, God doesn't know what's going on. And they forgot. They forgot what I forget. They forgot that God loves us. That God made us. That God gives the best to us. That God cares for us and looks after us. They forgot. And in the end, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I never, I never dog them for that because if it hadn't been them, it would have been me based on my track record. And when they did, everything God had done was broken. Oh, you can read it, chapter 3. The first thing that happened was God came into the garden. And what happened is he comes into the garden. Adam and Eve are hiding out. <laughs> They're just trying to get away from his presence. And he says, where are you guys? And why are you hiding over there? And Adam says, we're hiding over here because we heard you walking in the garden and we were naked. And God said, How, who told you you were naked? Yesterday you weren't worried about being naked. But now you have sinned. You've traded the truth of God for a lie. And this rainstorm of condemnation is already coming down. And you know there's something wrong on day one. And then it talks about all the consequences. And there are consequences of not doing it the way God arranged for it to be done. Well, at the end of this, you can say, you know what? Thanks for your series. I appreciate it, but I don't agree with anything you said. This is the way I think it works. And all I can say to you is, may the mercy of God be with you and with me. And check back in with me in a year and tell me how it's going. He said, here are the consequences. Uh, this serpent, this woman, it's going to be a fight between the two of them. This woman's offspring and this serpent, they're going to go at it, talking about Jesus. And then he says this. This is amazing how fast this went wrong. Check this out at the end of verse 16. 
It says, and to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. It's a whole another series in that. But look at this last phrase. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. That was not God's plan. That was not what God intended. That was not what God had arranged. What God had arranged was a man and a woman partnering together to do this amazing work of God on planet Earth. But now sin's entered into the equation. Everything's fractured and shattered. And now there's all this angst between the man and the woman. And he says, here's the, here's the result of that. I'm not doing this. This is just the way it's going to fall down. You're going to have all this desire for this man. There's going to be this longing for this man to come in and be for you and do for you what no one else can be or do for you. And the man's going to have this sense that he's going to die dominate you and rule over you and he's going to always try to put you down and look around the earth that's what's going on right now all over earth a lot of brokenness is happening and that wasn't the plan that was the consequence of us saying to God I don't remember who you are anymore and I'm going to try it a different way and I'm just saying this to you tonight based on the story in the beginning that what's happened in our world is everything's broken. Everything to do with relationships is broken. But that doesn't mean that we have to sit back now and look through the lens and say, well, it's just all broken and people are broken and that's just the way it's going to be, so we'll just live in that brokenness. Because in this story, right at the end of this chapter, the fourth word comes in, brokenness gives way to restoration before the story's ever finished and the garden's ever over for Adam and Eve. And it says in verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. He could have just said, hey, you blew it. Way to go. Congratulations. You know, I arranged everything for you and then look what you guys did. What a mess you've made. Wow. Good luck with that. He said, there are going to be consequences, and here's what they are, but there's also going to be a hope, and here's what it is. He took an animal, poor animal, just got named, and then that animal got slain right there in the Garden of Eden. He took the skin of that animal. He made clothes for them. He said, here, put these on. Why? Because he was all frustrated? No, because they were. He was reaching out to them. He was moving toward them, moving on their behalf to cover up their nakedness and to cover up their shame. What was he doing? He was just setting in motion a series of events that were already unfolding from before time, and he was saying, I'm going to do something extraordinary. I'm going to give the hope of Eden again. I'm going to restore the brokenness and give the promise of these beautiful relationships again. I'm going to allow you to enter into something as special as what they had. I am a God of restoration. I'm a God who rescues, restores, and redeems. And I'm going to set in motion a beautiful rescue plan. His name is Jesus. He's going to come on planet Earth. Though he created you, we created you. He's going to enter into humanity as a human God in human form. He's going to give his life for the sins of the world. He's going to take the pain and the shame of all the mess ups of all of our lives and all the times we've eaten from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he's going to pay the price. He's going to die the death. He's going to bear the shame. He's going to be naked and alone when he dies in a mess. 
so that I can raise him up into my glorious kingdom. And he then can give to everyone who asks the gift of righteousness so that then we can be what the New Testament says, clothed with a new identity, not the garment of an animal slain in the garden, but the robe of the righteousness of the son of the living God that we can put on the new self, which is created, as Ephesians says, in the likeness of God, in holiness, in righteousness of the truth. And we can wear newness in the place of our brokenness. And repair can come. Some of you are looking at relationships and, and they've, they've failed. And you feel like I'm doomed to that failure. Some of you are conflicted about what you can be and can't be and whether you can measure up or not measure up or if this ever can really become a reality. And it's always kind of pulling you down and God is saying, hey, I got a new identity for you. I got a new future for you. I'm going to make a new you out of you. And then you can look at me, your heavenly father, and say, man, whatever he can do, I can do. Whatever he's capable of, I'm capable of. I'm a son of God, a daughter of God, restored by God, being put back together again by God. I can get back to Eden. I can get back to the promise. I can get back to what God was dreaming about for me. And that's the story tonight. We're talking about relationships, boy meets girl. But before any boy meets any girl, every boy and every girl has got to meet Jesus. Every boy and every girl has got to meet Jesus before any boy and any girl meets each other. And I'm just telling you, don't tell me, well, he's on the way, or I'm praying for him. We're going to get married anyway. You do not want to marry any man who is not in love with Jesus. Period. And you do not want to marry any woman who is not in love with Jesus. Because falling in love with Jesus is step one to being reconnected to our Father who arranged for us a beautiful life on his earth, accomplishing his purposes. And once we are there, then we're ready to say, God, I need a partner. And the way that works, guys, in case you missed it, is that we initiate, we mature, stabilize, and ask God to start arranging our lives in such a way that we could meet the right person because there's actually something to invite them into. And I'm not just talking about getting an apartment and getting some matching throw pillows from Target. I'm talking about letting God open up our hearts and do whatever it is in there that's keeping us from being able to step up and be the men that God created us to be, which is to lead out in love of a woman, join together forever to do the things that God has given us to do.